We all know that entertainment can influence people's attitudes, outlook, and beliefs. But that influence can still seem pretty abstract at times. Every now and then, though, we get a real-world case study that helps us see what cultural and worldview influence actually look like in a really concrete way. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly podcast about entertainment, pop culture, and technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us today. Well, you might have glanced at the title for this week's show and thought, Bigfoot versus Big Oil? (laughs) What's that all about? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we're going to answer that question with a pretty interesting story about how a low-profile Netflix movie has caused some unexpected ripples with its story and point of view. As you might have guessed, the story involves Bigfoot, Canadian oil extraction, and a strong environmental message. We'll be unpacking the specifics of this controversy, as well as talking in broader terms about how movies influence our beliefs and values through emotional storytelling that connects deeply with our hearts. Joining me for today's conversation are... Paul Acey, Emily Clark, and Jonathan McKee. Well, let's start with a fun question today. What's one movie you remember causing a deep emotional reaction, either positive or negative, with regard to an issue it dealt with or a message that it was trying to deliver? The Hate You Give. The Hate You Give. Say more. That was quick. <laughs> that was really quick. Wow. That's the first thing that popped in my mind when he asked the question. Um, no, so The the Hate You Give is about a, um, a young African-American girl who... Um, basically she, she goes to a, uh, private school where most of her classmates are white and, you know, she's very privileged, very lucky. And, um, but then in in her, she goes back to her old neighborhood and one of her friends, um, gets killed by a police officer in a routine traffic stop and she, because he's black and she, you know, becomes an activist. It really, the the movie just moved me. It made me very sad, but it, it kind of opened my eyes to some struggles um, with lower income communities that I did not, I was not aware of before. And so I, it, it resonated with me. I was like, oh, you know what? I, I didn't realize that this was yeah, obviously it was a portrayal, but I it was based on you know actual things that have happened before. So it just I was like, you know what, this is good. Now I'm more aware. Okay, great. It's one of the great things about movies actually is that it does bring awareness to to worlds that you might not otherwise be familiar with. Exactly. And and I think that that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. I, my movie would be Selma. From hmm. back in 2014, it was one of the best Another movies one, from that yeah. year. It was fantastic, but it talks about it's obviously based on a historical event. You know, the marches in Selma, uh, led by Martin Luther King Jr. It was an amazing movie that sort of opened my eyes, I think, to to some of the issues that were prevalent in in the South at the time in terms of Jim Crow laws and the difficulty that that African Americans had voting. It was uh, it, it was something that. You know, you hear about in history class, but but the movies add a different texture to it. And it was a really powerful movie. After that, I actually started doing some some reading on the post-Reconstruction era just to see how some of those Jim Crow laws came to be. It, and, and it's really enriched my understanding, I think, of those issues. So it seems like with both of these movies, they impacted you emotionally in a way that 
helped you have a, a bigger viewpoint or maybe yes. see something from a different perspective and that maybe even acted as a catalyst for you to want to go deeper in understanding that issue. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Great. And I think that's what movies do at their best is they don't just sit there, they ask you to go farther. As okay. I say, it's like a call to action without actually calling you to action. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? Well, now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this sounds promising. (laughs) You know, because, man, I mean, Paul and Emily just had these really great answers. But when you said, what's one movie that caused a deep emotional reaction, you know, to an issue, the first thing that popped in my head was Free Willy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want you to say more about that, because I think that's a really interesting answer, even though... It's probably more relevant to what we're Justice about for, to talk absolutely, about. It's absolutely yeah, okay. on point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, talk to me yeah, about it. I um, I I just was thinking about it because I mean, as much as it was just you know, uh, kind of a you know little you know fun little kids film about how they freed this killer whale and stuff like this. I I remember watching it and I. When I saw his little fin bent over, and I remember thinking, you know, that only happens to the whales that are in captivity. And then I was just like so emotionally caught up, and I'm like, come on, Michael Madsen, help the kid. Man, come on, take him. And I was so glad that Michael Madsen didn't just cut off the edge of his little fin there. And, but anyway, but uh, I was excited, and, and they released the whale, and when, and when Free Willy jumped over the dike, you know, I was like, oh, man, I was just, man, uh, it, it, it moved me. It moved me. Did you cry, well, Jonathan? I, um, I cry in every film, so that's, <laughs> that's no gauge. So that's basically no gauge. you could have picked any movie for this question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a sap, and well, um, I, I cry in most everything. So, yeah. It's probably a podcast for a different time, but, I mean, that documentary came out a couple of years ago, Blackfish, yeah, and right. it basically shut SeaWorld down. And so I think even though we laughed initially at your response, I think it's a great example of how these sorts of stories provoke or cause an emotional reaction that changes our perspective on an issue that maybe, you know, did anybody ever really think seriously about the captivity of whales? Well, Probably not that much. Yeah, yeah. And, and you could even look at the issue in reverse with, with the dolphin tail. Yeah. You know, which was another really yeah. powerful movie, but it talks about rehabilitating these these animals in captivity, you know. And, and I, I think that, again, what, like what we've been talking about, these you don't necessarily think of these things until a movie triggers your yep. thought process. And, and hold that thought because we're going to come back to that. I think that will be an important part of our conversation as it unfolds today. Uh, well, for me, my choice was Me Before You, which is a 2016 movie uh, starring Amelia Clark. And she ends Not up... Not to be confused with Emily Clark. Right. Not to be... <laughs> I, I always confuse totally us. Totally different. You were not on Game of Thrones. Not even for a moment, I don't no, think. No, no, never. <laughs> not even as I a, white, really hope a not. white walker with red hair in the background somewhere. Um, well, this is a movie that um, she plays a woman who ends up as the assistant to a quadriplegic who is, <laughs> I mean, he is a self-absorbed, uh, even... You have sympathy for what has happened to him, but he's an annoying character. I'd say even yeah, before yeah. he became quadriplegic, yeah. <laughs> he was kind of a um, jerk. <laughs> and they fall in love, and the movie is about him rationalizing 
taking his life because he can't deal with being a, a quadriplegic. And you, I think the movie builds in such a way that you think her love is going to somehow redeem him. And it doesn't. No. And he takes his life in the end. And I'm like, spoiler alert. Oh man. I, it, but it was, I felt like an emotionally manipulative movie because the whole point of the story is to try to convince you that, you know, this is the kind of case that euthanasia makes sense for. So um, let's use yeah, and it that. Was and it was upsetting. I, I mean, we, oh, yeah. we kind of enjoyed the film, but it was one of those films. Do you ever like really enjoy a film, but at the ending you get angry at You're it? You're throwing and stuff yes. at the screen. That, that was that was us. I mean, my wife and I, we enjoyed the film. Amelia Clark was great. She's Her character great. was fun. Good story. And at the ending, we were just like, man, I don't like the conclusion the director took and obviously it, I guess it's you know up to, up to the writer and the director to decide well this is life this sometimes happens sure but I didn't want to pay money to see it no I was <laughs> it made me really mad well a few weeks ago we reviewed a, a little Netflix kids movie called Bigfoot Family and honestly this is the kind of story that it's like of all the movies made last year this was one of them right yeah. if a movie falls in the forest and nobody notices <laughs> is it really a movie like, totally throwaway forgettable movie with all due respect to those yeah. who labored on it i'm not trying to demean anybody's creative you know output uh but you know there's tons of forgettable movies out there and this is one of them and ordinarily it would not be a candidate for stirring controversy even weeks after it came out. I mean, that was the other thing was it came, it went, nobody thought about it. But then somebody at a Canadian oil company obviously saw it and said, wait a minute, time out. Uh, this is not a, this yeah. isn't doing us any favors. And all of a sudden, <laughs> there are all these headlines in the news. Like a Netflix movie is brainwashing kids, says Canadian Energy Center. Canadian lobbyists attack Netflix children's film for anti-oil propaganda. I mean, it's a lot of drama for a film that nobody actually <laughs> saw, right? Except um, for Emily. Except for Emily. And oh, thank you. Thanks for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ordinarily the phrases Canada Bigfoot, oil, propaganda, and brainwashing aren't ones that I'd connect so what's going on here? Emily, I'm going to pitch this to you. You reviewed Bigfoot Family for Plugged In, as Paul mentioned. So set the stage for us. What's the storyline here? And why do you think a Canadian energy lobbying firm would get so bent out of shape about a movie that everybody else has already forgotten? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I first started watching this movie, I wondered if it was a sequel or something because it jumps right in where um, basically – it tells the backstory within five minutes that Bigfoot got his powers because he was a scientist doing genetic experiments. Sort of like Spider-Man. Very much. Or Bruce Banner. Very much Hulk. so. Yeah. So he got all these magical powers. He got the big feet and the fur, and he can talk to animals and such. And um, essentially, he had to go on the run because the scientists wanted to track him down and do more experiments Bigfoot on him. Bigfoot was on the lam. <laughs> and hence the Bigfoot legend was born. <laughs> anyway, so his son is actually the one who rescued him from these scientists. And now that he is free. Free, free Bigfoot. Bigfoot. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Bump set spike. That, that, that was such a set. There was such a nice pause there. I love it. Anyways. I almost missed the ball on that. But I, eventually I connected. 
So now that Bigfoot is free, he's using his five minutes of fame to basically do the right thing. And he's very concerned about the environment. And so he goes to Alaska, actually, not Canada, Alaska. Uh And... um, he, because in Alaska, there's a oil company that claims to be clean oil. Like they say that they get their oil, you know, without impacting the environment at all. And uh, so he, but there are these protesters who say it's a lie. They're saying, no, they're definitely doing bad stuff. Bigfoot, please come help us. And so. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually have to go watch this movie. I now want to see it very badly. So he goes up there, and sure enough, you know, this clean oil company is not what it claims to be. It's very, very bad. It's actually um, their plan is to actually use this bomb to blow up this valley. It would flood this entire valley full of animals and wildlife, all sorts of things, um, with oil. And that's this oil tycoon's plan because he comes from a big oil family <laughs> in Texas. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like we needed that right there. Yeah, and so, you know, Bigfoot's son, you know, of course they capture Bigfoot. Mm. Sorry, this is... Free Bigfoot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the bad guys capture Bigfoot and then Bigfoot's son and his wife drive cross-country to rescue him. And yeah, that's basically the story in a nutshell. Ooh, wow. <laughs> All right, well... Let's dig a bit deeper. Here is what the Canadian Energy Center released in a statement. And it reads, Bigfoot family wrongly portrays oil and gas extraction to an audience of young Canadians and ignores the industry's commitment to environmental stewardship and responsible development. And then it goes on to add, our children are the key to the future. Um, Pause for editorializing. Our children are the key to the future. I just want to point out. They got that right. Uh, Our children are key to the future, but they can't succeed if they're filled with misinformation. Brainwashing our kids with anti-oil and gas propaganda is just wrong, and Netflix needs to know that. What do you think about this argument? Like, Do they have a point, or are they being overly sensitive, and they're just sort of like missing the point that this is a movie about Bigfoot and... and, Magical Bigfoot. Magical Bigfoot. Can it be both? Because in my opinion, in my opinion, it's not propaganda. It talks, it very much is making the point that like not all oil is bad. I'm sorry. Bigfoot's son and his wife drive cross country in an RV. You're telling me that thing wasn't a gas guzzler? Two words. Carbon offset. (laughs) Carbon footprint. That too. Oh my goodness. The irony is so thick there. The irony is thick. So, so, you know, it's not like it's saying, if you use oil, you're bad or anything like that. It's straight up just saying, hey, if you're using bad practices like a bomb that floods a valley <laughs> with oil, yeah. that's probably not a good idea. It's basically that... saying, hey, you, we need to protect you know, our wildlife preserves. We need to make sure that if somebody says it doesn't have an environmental impact, that it actually doesn't. Us, you know, Just because a company's got a pretty picture on the front doesn't mean that it's pretty on the inside. We need to make sure that we are holding these companies accountable is essentially what it, that's what I felt like it was saying. However, I do understand how for young viewers, maybe it wasn't presented strongly enough that this isn't all companies. (laughs) So 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating, actually. I mean, I think that that when you're talking about creating a lake of oil, that's going to violate a whole bunch of rules, right? Right. That's just bad. I think we can all agree on that. But the thing that that it makes me think about this this movie is that industrialists are often portrayed as the bad people in in a lot of movies, especially kids' movies. You know, and I think that 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 there can be elements of truth to that. We all know that there are sometimes, you know, I consider myself an environmentalist. I want the the air to be clean, the water to be clean, but I like my stuff too. And and I value uh, the people who make it. Um, in some ways, the idea of, of, of turning all these industrialists into to sort of these, these Nazi-like villains can be problematic. No, and that's the direction I want to turn here because I think, for me, this was an interesting conversation not because this movie might or might not be pro-environmentalist propaganda. To me, that was the secondary issue. The thing that was interesting to me about it was here you have lobbyists for an industry saying, this story is going to influence people to think negatively of our entire industry. And they, mm-hmm. they cared enough about the narrative and the worldview and the emotional impact of this story to sort of raise a hand or a red flag and say, wait a minute, let's have a little bit more conversation about this. And to me, that was an illustration of the power of story to shape uh, especially children's perspectives on reality. And that's a, that's a subject we deal with it plugged in all the time. So how do you think movies and TV shows especially use emotional arguments to try to influence viewers in a particular direction? You know, movies are inherently emotional, right? Right. They play on your heartstrings. They are. They intend to go toward the tear ducts, like like Jonathan crying in every single movie he makes. Amen. <laughs> so Jonathan is the target audience of all movie makers. <laughs> so, I am. So they're always in, intentionally emotional. They sometimes have logical arguments behind them, but they they reach for a different part of your psyche, and I think because of that, they can be. Problematic in in certain ways because they can they can reflect not necessarily reality. I think as as we're all, all of us sitting around this table are Christians, right? And right. we can all feel that sense of disenfranchisement by how Christians are sometimes portrayed right. in movies. And I think that those those portrayals can be very influential if you're not thinking about them deeply. You know, when you see a judgmental, angry, hypocritical Christian on on TV or in, or the, in movies, the movie Saved, <laughs> you know, Where that's going all to that? that if if you're not necessarily a Christian, those portrayals impact how you think about Christians. No, I think that's actually a really good point because I I can't even tell you how many people I've met where they sit there and you know after hanging out with me they're like wait you're a Christian. Like, and they're just shocked, not because they, like, they think about it and they're like, actually, that makes sense. Like, (laughs) not because, like, because they realize the reason they're shocked at first is because I'm not crazy. Well, which yeah, is the you old don't fit the stereotype. I don't fit the stereotype, but then they think about it and they're like, oh, but you are kind of a good person. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks. Thumbs <laughs> up for Emily. <laughs> well, it is interesting because when I, you know, heard you quoting 
this, uh, you know, th- this statement that they made when they released the statement criticizing the Bigfoot movie. It's funny that the words they used was, you know, um, our, our children are key to the future, but they can't succeed if they're filled with misinformation. Ugh. And at that point, I'm sitting there going like, OK, that's great. And then he goes, brainwashing our kids with anti-oil and gas propaganda is just wrong. And I'm laughing because, you know, if you listen to I, I've been reviewing top music that kids listen to for the last three decades and how could you summarize it misinformation you know i mean it's just constantly misinformation of about and we've had a whole podcast about the whole yeah. you know oh if it feels right go for it we're Ugh. feeding our kids that misinformation all the time there's not a lot of anti-oil and gas propaganda out there and so it's kind of funny <laughs> that we can get all upset over this and I'm, I'm not even saying that maybe you know we don't have a license to do it but we almost have to be consistent here is it okay to feed our kids with some misinformation in some topics but not feed them misinformation on other topics that's what i would ask well and i think too it gets to the point of how do we evaluate our emotional response because i think the problem when it comes to the influence that these media exert is that the emotions are so strong that we may never take a step back and critically consider, um, well, okay, let's think about these issues instead of just having an emotional reaction to them. Absolutely. And you think about throughout cinematic history, this has been the case, right? They have used – there's a reason why every country that was involved in World War II made these these – film propaganda pieces, right? right. Yeah, because it moves you. Exactly, exactly. It's The pictures are so influential, and, and they short-circuit our, our logic functions in certain ways. And when you look at some of those old movies, they, this is one of the things that, that I always sort of come back to when we're talking about these, these issues, is we tend to think of them as modern issues. This has been an issue for a long, long time. Yeah. You see some of the some of the depictions of, of minorities in old movies. You see depictions of of a lot of classes of people that weren't necessarily very flattering that, that gave us the stereotypes that sometimes people still fall into today. So it can be really corrupting. Well, and the reality is that these narratives have incredible influence in shaping our perspective on what we believe is true and right. And I think it's interesting that we have this oil company stepping in to say, wait a minute, let's have a deeper conversation about the facts as opposed to, you know, a sort of hyped up emotional reaction. And that leads me to my next question. At what point do you think a story crosses the line from merely giving us an emotional plot to something closer to propaganda? And I would define propaganda here as, a story that makes sure that you come out of it with the one thing it wants to communicate uh, and hopefully agree with. So my guess would be just that if you come out of a movie or a TV show and you are just angry and livid and it's a fictional narrative as, you know, this movie was, and you're angry and you're just ready to, like, you know, go chain yourself to a tree like that's... <laughs> I did that one time it didn't work for me people were very confused it was just a sapling it was a sapling <laughs> oh my goodness um 
Yeah, no, I, I would say that that's where it's kind. it might be crossing the line from into the propaganda territory because it's one thing to walk into a nonfiction narrative and, you know, like Selma and think, okay, this is something that happened. This is something I need to be aware of and make sure that it doesn't happen again. It's another thing to walk into a movie like Bigfoot Family and be like, <laughs> let's destroy all the oil companies. And, you know, I can't help but wonder, you know, who, which oil, some parent who works at an oil company, their child came home and said, mom, dad, what are you doing? <laughs> That's how this happened. <laughs> It's a fascinating question, I think. When, when I think about Selma, I, I think about it as an emotional resonant story. I don't really see that as propaganda, even though it was deeply influential right. in, in my outlook, because it, it leaned on the characters, it leaned on the story. When I think of a movie that came out a few years ago called The Big Short, uh-huh. which also got a ton of consideration for awards, it was about sort of the, yeah, the, the yeah. mortgage bubble. It was a fascinating movie that educated me on a lot of points, but it had a definite angle. It wanted to preach to you. It wanted you to convict you that this was something that was wrong and that we should never do it again. And, and for me, it's almost it's almost instinctual. Like, you can have you can have movies that tell a story that move you in a certain direction, and then you have movies that preach. And yeah. The Big Short is one of those movies, I think. And sometimes with those movies that preach, our perspective on them is really determined by whether we agree with the message, you know, preaching to the choir, so to speak. You know, there are a lot of movies that one side may feel like this is propaganda, and the other side says it's not propaganda. This is the truth. Uh, and so that's another layer of this conversation here. Uh, it's all on perspective. It is. All, a lot of it is on perspective. Although, you know, for, for me, when I, when I watch a movie that, that even I agree with, like I would, I would classify some Christian movies as being in the preachy category. And, yep. and for <laughs> me, they tend to... Um, they tend to diminish their message in some ways because their message is so overt and yeah. so you can't miss this point. So I think that, that sometimes it is in the eye of the beholder, but I also think that there are certain movies that are just preachier than others. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and we could have an enormous conversation about whether most Christian movies constitute propaganda or not. But that's another <laughs> podcast for another time. How do you think that we can help our children learn to recognize and identify these forms of emotional argumentation or maybe even manipulation? And, and how do we help them think critically about that? I mean, I think the biggest thing is that if you watch something and you have that emotional response, you need to teach your kids, you know, find more information. You know, if your kid comes home and says, mom, oil companies are evil after watching Bigfoot Family, then you know, just, you know, talk to them about it. Like talk, do some research yourself, maybe even so that you can, so that you can have a better conversation about it. But I think that, you know, especially since, you know, that article was talking about misinformation, well, then your best friend is going to be to find act the correct information so that, you know, you can tell them, well, this is some bad things that happen because we drill for oil, but these are some good things that we get because we use oil for energy. You know, you can have that conversation with them. I totally agree. One of the great things about being a plugged in movie reviewer is it gives you the opportunity and the time 
to check out some of that information. You know, this, this year I've I've done a lot of issues based reviews, right? Judas and, seems and like the Black Messiah. All of them. It seems <laughs> like it. So you have these these real world these, these movies depicting real world events, and it forces you to go in and see. Well, what actually happened? Mm-hmm. Is the trial of the Chicago 7 accurate to what actually happened? And the answer is usually yes and no. Right. Um, we have the luxury like they of get time. The, the broad facts right, but there's all sorts of ways that they shape how the, they want you to respond to what happened. And they Exactly. They cherry pick information. They, they lean on the narrative they want to tell. And so we have the, the time to, to be able to do that. And I think to, to be a truly um, engaged movie reviewer, you have to take the time, too. And I think that we have to take the time with our families. And uh, I think that a movie that provokes a strong emotional reaction represents an opportunity for conversation. Um, I think you can sit back and say, okay, let's start there. Why do you think you responded so strongly? And then we can take another evaluative step and ask the question, do you think that your emotional reaction lines up with what we know is true. And sometimes maybe it does. And other times you may realize, wow, they're provoking an emotional response in me that when I take a step back from it, uh, it's not a good argument. You know, another thing to consider is that when you do have that emotional response is to ask, what do you think you need to do now? Because, you know, if you sit there, it's one thing to sit there and get angry and, you know, post about it on social media and just be like, we should not watch this movie because it's bad. Or you should be watching this movie because it's good, <laughs> you know, um, because it reveals the evil of oil companies or whatever, you know. So there are two different responses here. But the the truth of the matter is. Okay, but are you going to do anything beyond that? Because if you're not going to either take a step towards, hey, you know what? We're going to install a solar panel to, you know, reduce our carbon footprint. You know, there are little things you can do. Hey, maybe instead of driving today to the store that's, you know, half a block away, we're going to just walk over there. There are little things you can do, you know, to help. So it kind of depends on what your response to that emotion is as well, I think. One of the things I really appreciate about what you just said, Emily, is I think that we live in a culture that constantly forces slash invites us to reduce things into a binary. It's either good or it's evil, and there's no in-between. And I think that that actually is another podcast, but I think that contributes to a lot of a lot of the problems that we're having in our culture because most of the time, truth is complex, and there may be things that are good, and there may be things that are problematic, and it's all sort of muddled up together, and it's our job to sort through that. But because of our soundbite culture, because of social media, we want to reduce it to, yeah. I'm on this side. No, I'm on this side. We're right. You're wrong. Uh, and it's it's almost always more complicated than that. The other thing I loved about what you said, Em, is is taking it the next step farther. I think that when we watch movies, we can be sort of encouraged to be passive absorbers of this information. And I think to make a change in the world, you have to be active. You have to you have to go out into the world. And, and if you are convicted and convinced that something is the right thing to do, you need to take that the next step and actually do something about it. And ironically enough, that's that was actually the deeper message of the movie was that one person can make a difference. So there you go. That seems like a nice place to sort of stick our landing on this conversation today. 
Although, because I'm hosting the Plugged In Show, I'm going to add one other thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's my prerogative. You know, obviously, we also want to compare the ideas that we're talking about to what Scripture says. And Scripture gives us a plumb line for truth and for how we're seeing things and for what our goggles are. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to have simplistic answers, but uh, we're not sort of just out here wandering without a compass in terms of what's true, but we come back to scripture and we, we ask those questions. How does this compare to what we believe to be true as Christians? Well, our world is awash in stories and narratives in subjective realities. Some of these points of view challenge us to consider what we believe and why other stories use our emotions against us by trying to manipulate us into embracing ideas and beliefs that run counter to our convictions as followers of Jesus. And I hope that our conversation today has helped to sensitize you to the fact that storytellers often, maybe even always, have an agenda of some kind. Even in a throwaway kids movie about Bigfoot of all things, we see that there's a worldview in play and potentially an attempt to sway young minds and hearts toward a particular ideological point of view. And even when the messages and agenda aren't quite that blatant, we can practice critical biblical thinking by asking some basic worldview questions like, what does this movie suggest is praiseworthy? How does it try to engage us emotionally to get us to agree with its point of view? And finally, how do the values and messages we see here compare with the truths that we find in Scripture? Learning to ask and discuss questions like these may not come totally naturally to you and your family, but the more you do it, the more you'll strengthen your discernment muscles and your kids too as you practice and incorporate this discipline of what I would call spiritual media discernment into your family's life. With each episode of The Plugged In Show, we strive to be a catalyst for you to go deeper in thinking about how your family engages with entertainment and technology. And as a thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we'd love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book, as well as links to everything else we've talked about here today in our Plugged In blog entry for this week's episode. On behalf of our entire team, I want to say thanks so much for listening today, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of the Plugged In Show.